A classified ad in Florida promises men a discreet encounter with an unfaithful wife. And then we travel to Ireland to take a look at the story of a man who's on trial for domestic violence. His excuse? The devil made her do it. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys had an awesome Thanksgiving. For those of you who celebrate Thanksgiving, this is a global podcast. So much people are like, it was just Thursday, bro. It was just Thursday. But still, hope you guys had an awesome Thursday. We got a lot of stuff to cover, so we're going to get started by giving a shout out to our newest Patreon supporter, Golo Mihek. Golo Mihek, everyone, give a round of applause to Golo Mihek. Golo Mihek was the one who recommended me tell the witch fighting story. So, tip of the hat to you for that. Golo Mihek is running in doing. Where's Golo Mihek from? Let me check actually here before I start making a bunch of jokes about a country they're not from. Uh, he has a sticker going out, so I have his address. Let me take a look here real quick. Serbia. Serbia. So, how do they dance in Serbia? <laughs> Whatever dance they do in Serbia, Golomihek's doing that right now as he's walking into Dead Rabbit Radio headquarters. Golomihek, you're going to be our captain, our pilot of this episode. You can stop doing that dance now. You're going to be our captain, our pilot of this episode. If you can't support the Patreon, that's fine too. Just help get the word out about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. And and again, I, dude, I'm so behind on sending out stickers. But I, <laughs> last week I said I'm sending them out tomorrow. I'm sending them out tomorrow. I'm just really, really behind. I apologize. All that being said, Golo Mihek, I'm going to give you the keys to the Hair Hovercraft, our vehicle specifically designed to take us to Florida. Everyone hop inside. It's not made out of hair. It's not made out of human hair, although that might be a component. It's Hair Hovercraft because, you know, the rabbit motif. So everyone hop inside the Hair Hovercraft. Golo Mihek gets in the control panels and... We're going, apparently there's a vacuum cleaner or an engine. We're flying out to Florida. Not flying, it's a hovercraft. We hover a few feet off the ground out to Florida. And we are soon in Miami, Florida. Now it's a Jetson car. So, go let me heck, go ahead and park right here. We're sitting outside of a little house out in Miami, Florida. And while we're there, I pull out my phone and I start scrolling through Craigslist. I'm looking for... Looking for love is what I'm doing. I'm looking for a sweet, sweet woman to show me a good old time. And that's when I show you this ad that's been going around Miami, Florida. And it promises sex with a quote, real heterosexual woman. Which is implied, right? The picture is of a woman. It's a woman named Susan. You would assume, you would assume that it's a real heterosexual woman. Otherwise, she wouldn't be trolling the men's board on Craigslist, which they don't exist anymore. The personnel ads, as far as I know, they don't exist anymore. I would have never have thought this wasn't a real heterosexual woman had it not said in the comments, I am a real heterosexual woman. That'd be like someone going, would you like to buy this car? It's not a hologram. And you're like, I never once thought it might be. I never thought hologram technology was that advanced. I never thought I could be standing in front of a car and think it was a hologram. But since you said that, it's obviously a hologram. Like, it's obviously a hologram. And in this case, it's obviously not a real heterosexual woman. It's a hologram of a real heterosexual woman. So alarm bells should be going off in the male population of Miami. But men 
<laughs> men have disassembled that alarm a long time ago. Way back in history, a caveman saw like a cactus that had like a hole in it and goes, oh, it's probably super dangerous to do what I'm about to do, but men have removed that warning system really, really early on in our human development. So men were flocking to Susan Leon's house. Not a real name, by the way. There's a Susan Leon who lives in Miami, Florida. Do not go to her house. This is not the same person. So you'd show up at Susan's house, and she'd be like, hey, guys, come on into my non-holographic house. When they Again, your alarm bell should be going off. You show up at this real heterosexual woman's house, and then the first thing she has you do is put on blackout goggles. So, guys, like, at this point, most men should be like, you know what, I'm out. I was already a little suspicious in the beginning. But the fact that now you're making it so I can't see what happens next. But again, the warning system has been disabled. These dudes come over to the house. They get put in these blackout goggles. They put in a sensory deprivation chamber. They're just floating in water. And while they're banging this girl, they ask, or maybe before, maybe this is preamble. I don't know. I've never asked this question when I've gone over to a girl's house. Am I being videotaped? I've never asked that before. I I always assume yes. I always put on my best performance and wear stage makeup. They go over, they're wearing blackout goggles, they're at Susan Leon's house, and they ask, are we being videotaped? And Susan goes, no, 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 you need, no, no, not at all. (laughs) Her eyes shift from side to side, but she can't see through the blackout goggles. She goes, no, I'm actually, my, I'm actually cheating on my husband, he's in the military, he's overseas fighting for our freedoms, but trust me, even though the man who married me, the man who is sacrificing his life, even though I'm lying to him, you can trust me, good sir, good stranger, I've been on Craigslist, I will not videotape you. So guys, like, okay, it sounds legit, right? It sounds totally legit. So they'd have sex, and then the dudes would leave. So this is going on for a while, and people really aren't super suspicious of it because they're having sex. So they're like, okay, you know, yeah, there was a little weird, but I did have sex, and that's what I came there for. You know, no harm, no foul. What unscrews this whole mystery, if that's a term, is that a boy goes missing in the area. And the cops are looking for him. The cops are looking for this 16-year-old kid. Parents reported him missing. They track him to a hotel. And there they find this 16-year-old boy with Susan Leon. It was a multi-day sexual abuse fest. Because it's 16 years old. You can't do that. It's not sex anymore. It's actually abuse at that point. But anyway, so Susan Leon gets arrested, and that's when we find out Susan Leon is actually Brian Dunamoyster. Probably mispronouncing that, but I'm not going to correct it. 33-year-old man. Not transgender woman. It was a man, it was a gay man, who was messing around with this kid. So the cops bring Brian downtown and question him, and the whole story comes out. It turns out that Brian was uh, having men come to his house, dressing up like a woman, having sex with them, and then them leaving. And the cops are super suspicious. They're like, I did go over to that girl's house recently. She had me wearing blackout goggles. Hmm. I'd say you looked familiar. I can't pick you out of a police lineup. You have to put on the goggles and you go, number three. Not only was it rape by deception, which is an actual crime, so he got that charge because he basically, that was him lying, saying you're going to have sex with a real heterosexual woman blinding you and then having sex that's rape by deception but it wasn't just rape by deception it wasn't just the abuse with the 16 year old brian was videotaping all of this stuff and this is the crux of the story brian's doing three years in prison right now for all of this but this is so bizarre to me 
He was videotaping it for a website that he had called Straight Boys, with a Z. Straight Boys. And the website was specific, this was the specific fetish, tricking straight men into having gay sex. And I'm, I didn't go to the website, <laughs> I didn't go to the website, but I'm reading the article and I think, what a convoluted and complicated fetish to have. How do you develop a fetish that's that specific? Tricky. It's not just straight guys, like, being gay. It's not like just straight guys having gay sex. It's They have to be tricked. They have to be fooled into it. They have to be hoodwinked. Like, I don't get that. Like, how much, like, do you watch a bunch of porn and then you go, you know, I really like these guys exploring their sexuality, but it would be so much more if they didn't know they were exploring their sexuality. I can understand it existing on some level because everything's a fetish to someone, but the fact that you could run a whole website and need so much content for it that you're doing this on a regular basis, and who's watching this? It's just so bizarre, and it's such a convoluted fetish. It's so hard to pull off. Think about all the hoops that Brian had to jump through to get this. First off, he had to buy a bunch of goggles. That's that's always, uh, you know, you have to lay in that investment for your fetish. But then you had to like post the ad and then actually have the tricks work and all that stuff, hitting cameras and everything like that. That'd be like setting up a fetish. That'd be like being like, you know what? You know what really turns me on? People being lost in caves and then banging them. You're like, what? And you're like, no, 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 hear me out. First off, we start an amateur spelunking camp. So we get a bunch of people who like to go in caves that don't know anything about them. Then we take them out into the woods and we get them lost in a cave. And then after about three or four days, after they've been down there for a while, we go down there and comfort them and then bang them. And you're like, what? That sounds like the most convoluted... <laughs> What's convoluted because I just made it up. But you know what? I'm sure there is someone out there. I'm sure there is at least one person out there who has a fetish for banging people who have been lost in caves for more than three days. Not none of those two-dayers. If you've only been lost in a cave for two days, gluck, gross. But three days or more, someone has that fetish. Is there enough people who have that fetish to start their own website? I'm never going to check. I'm never going to do that research. So, Brian, yes, horrible criminal. Great by deception. You can't do it. It's still rape. You get in a bunch of trouble for it, and it's super immoral and gross. And those videos are still out there, I'm sure, too, floating around. So people are still indulging in this fetish that involve it ha- a crime has to take place. For this fetish to exist. It's not enough if they were just like pretending. The crime has to take place. And that's kind of the the most disturbing part of it. So bizarre true crime story. Bizarre subculture. Golo Mihik. Are you ready to take us out of here? He's enthusiastically nodding. I think we're all ready to go from the sicko's house. Golo Mihik. Call in that carpenter copter. We are headed out to Ireland. Helicopter is leaving behind Florida and we're cutting across the Atlantic Ocean. We're headed out to that beautiful green isle, the little land everyone knows as Ireland. Golomi Hex doing his best to land on a couple of leprechauns. Golomi Hex sees a four leaf clover patch. He's landing on it. He's hoping to kill a couple leprechauns. Luckily for him, they were just holding a wedding. So he killed an entire generation of leprechauns. We all jump out of the carpenter copter. We're walking around Ireland. It's August 17th, 2019. And we're in Ballynalarg. That's in Ogle I'm not, that's how it's spelt. I'm not making a joke. 
And 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 inside of those places is a place called East Clare. This story is so interesting. I read it the other day. I had to read it two or three times. I go, this just doesn't make sense. I can't wait to share it with you guys. This story is so bizarre. In East Clare, there's a man named Shane Gibbons. He's 48 years old. We show up at his house on August 17th, 2019, as he's being led out of the house in handcuffs. He's being arrested for domestic violence. His girlfriend, we don't have her name. They haven't released her age. These are all privacy laws over there. His girlfriend, she's in her 30s. They'd been dating for three years. But this night, she called the police on him. What she said happened was he picked her up and flipped her over onto her back and pinned her down and then began shaking her. Shaking her so hard she said it lasted forever. When the police get there, they see visible bruises on her face, her neck, her thighs, her wrists. She's, she's pretty roughed up. So the cops take him downtown and they're questioning him and they go, so tell us what happened. And he goes, guys, listen, I knew this was going to be an issue. Like my family was warning me this was going to be an issue. We've been dating for three years. This has been going on for a long time. I, I, I'm actually kind of glad you guys got involved. And the cops are like, so is this like an ongoing thing? Like, do you constantly beat her? Like, are you straight up confessing to us right now? And he goes, no, 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 no. It is a constant thing, but I'm not laying a hand on her. I will admit, I will admit that tonight I grabbed her by her shoulder to restrain her. But other than that, I left no bruise on her body. I didn't shake her. I didn't pin her down. None of that stuff is real. What happened was she's possessed by a demon. She's beating herself up. He said for the past three years when they'd been dating, they'd be sitting over at his house, just trying to enjoy a nice, quiet evening. And something would go flying off of his shelf. Shatter on the ground. Leprechaun? (laughs) Angry leprechaun? His entire family got wiped out, pushing stuff over, maybe? Your first thing is going to be, that must be rational explanation. Stiff wind, uh, other stuff, other stuff that could cause things to fly across the room. But as these things continue to happen, obviously they're starting to think there's some sort of paranormal activity. The lights in his house would shut off and on. Poltergeist activity. It's not the most comfortable place to be, but you're not going to think it's the person sitting next to you. But when his girlfriend, let's call her Rebecca, when Re- and I'm just guessing, sometimes Rebecca would be sitting there next to him and she'd go into a trance. Just stare off into space. That's unsettling enough, but then when she begins speaking Latin and he knows she doesn't know Latin, he realizes she's possessed. He's telling the cops this stuff. The devil's making her do it. I've actually seen her punch herself to the point where she's bruising herself. She's committing all this self-harm, officers. Because the demon inside of her, she's a good person, but she has something inside of her that's making her do all this violent stuff. I didn't do it. In fact, I've been trying to help her these past couple years. And my family warned me. My family warned me because I reached out to him. I've been telling him about all this stuff that she's going to end up dead and you're going to be blamed for it. She's going to end up killing herself and you're going to be blamed for it. And he thought, I don't know. It could happen, but I'm willing to stay with this woman. But here he is sitting in a police station being charged with domestic violence. So the cops are super suspicious about all of this stuff, obviously. I'm sure they have never heard this excuse before, but um, they look into it. Now, they know that he attacked her. Like, that's the most obvious answer. Like, something falling off of your shelf. The most obvious answer is generally the right answer. 
What comes out of all this, through the course of this investigation, Shane is able to show photos of bruises she had gotten before. And he's like, you see these photos of these bruises on her thighs? Don't those look like the bruises she had from the photos you took that night? The police are like, yeah. But you could easily have just been abusing her this whole time. When they asked Rebecca, how'd you get those bruises in that earlier picture? He's showing me pictures of you having bruises before. Rebecca goes, I don't know how I got those bruises. Cops are like, oh, she's just covering for her boyfriend. This happens in domestic violence cases a lot. They make a report and then they want to retract it. Weird, though. The police are put in touch with a local priest, Father Donog O'Mara. Father O'Mara says, Shane and Rebecca had approached me about getting an exorcism. I talked to him. I didn't do an exorcism. And the cops go, this had been go this has been going on for a while. And Father then Father O'Mara's like, Yeah, it has been going on for a while. They talked to me back then. And they go, Well, do you think she's possessed? You didn't do an exorcism, but do you think she was possessed? And Father O'Mara goes, I I don't I, I, I'm kind of reluctant to say whether or not she was possessed. However, I do believe Shane is telling the truth of these events, i.e., he didn't do it. The police also tracked down a faith healer. That Shane was like, I had also taken her to this faith healer, this local woman named Jane Donnelly. They talked to the faith healer and they go, so we're investigating this domestic violence case. Shane and Rebecca, they said they came to you and they said they had ongoing problems. And Jane's like, oh yeah, I totally remember that couple. They came in and I was trying to do this healing ritual and just bam, right in front of me, Rebecca goes into a catatonic state. When they talked to Shane about the healer, about her going catatonic in front of another witness... Shane goes, ah, that's really only half the story. The healer doesn't even know this part of the story. We were driving home from visiting the healer. Driving the car, Rebecca sitting in the passenger seat next to me. And she goes back into one of her trances. And as we're driving back to my house, she turns to me and she goes, I hide in the shadows. Things are going to get way worse from here on out. It's funny, because now that I think about it, earlier in the episode I said about, you know, the little warning light, <laughs> the little warning light people have, but men have disassembled. That would be the point where you'd be like, we're breaking up. Like, that's just super spooky, right? We're breaking up, we're done, but he continued to be with her. There's actually video footage back from 2016, so very early on in their relationship, where he tried doing an exorcism himself on her. In that video, she begins scraping her own skin. And Shane's like, see, look, at that's one of the injuries she had when you saw her. She had that scraped up skin. She's doing the same thing in this video. The cops are like, oh, my God, how weird is this case going to get? I didn't think when I showed up to work today I was going to be watching a video of an exorcism. Some guy performing an exorcism on his girlfriend. He even shows the cops a text message from her later on that said, I'm so glad I knew I needed an exorcism. So even she is believing this. So the cops are like, okay, so it's not just a video that he he shot without her knowledge or he was pretending to do something. It's like, hey, let's make a horror movie or something to prepare my defense three years from now when I'm on trial for domestic violence. She seemed to go along with the idea. Uh, well, she's seen the faith healers. She's seen the priest. At one point, they even went to America. He traveled, he paid for her to go out to America to go to this religious 
uh, he he was really cagey on the details. He goes, they don't want any publicity. They're probably going to be mad that I even give this much information. But me and her went to America to go talk to this religious organization that was going to help exercise her. It didn't work. It didn't. None of this stuff was working. I tried exercising her. The priest was being reluctant about it. The faith healer actually seemed to make things worse. He's on trial, and Judge Durkin is ruling the proceedings. He's listening to all the evidence, he's watching the videos, he's seeing the photos, and Judge Durkin is is equally puzzled as anybody else. It's like, this just doesn't make sense. Like, this is a standard domestic violence case. This is 100% a guy roughed up a woman. They see it all the time. But then the judge is looking at the stuff about, like, the exorcism and her saying, thanks, I needed an exorcism. You have this faith healer and this minister come forward, and they're like, eh... Could be, could be something super weird. Judge Durkin asks the, the lead investigative officer, Garda Darren McLaughlin, places on the stand, and he goes, listen, I don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe in demons. I don't believe in any of that stuff. But <laughs> this is a really weird case, Your Honor. Like, this is some spooky stuff. The judge dismisses the case against Shane. So he's not necessarily saying Shane is not guilty. But he he had an interesting note for the investigators. He goes, this comes across as a standard domestic violence case. But I think you should have investigated the the demonic angle a little more. The cops are like, dude, we're not the watcher council. Like, we're actually just police officers. The judge is like, I really think that the argument is... I'm putting words in his mouth because I don't have the actual transfer. I don't want to get sued by a judge. But basically... Yes, it looks like a standard domestic violence case. It may be a standard domestic violence case, but we have all these other... Usually it's a he said, she said, or unfortunately, sometimes it's a he said, she said, and then the kids watch too. But a lot of time, But this time, they're actually... It's going on for years. They're traveling around the world to try to cure her supposed exorcism. The judge is like, I don't think you looked on the demonic angle enough. I think that there's more to this than meets the eye. Case dismissed. After everything was said and done, Shane felt comfortable giving an interview about this story. Because this the case just ended very, very recently. They ask him, and he goes, Listen, I'm glad no one knows Rebecca's real name. Um, I wish her the best. We broke up that night. I really haven't seen her since we broke up, other than, you know, the trial. But... I wish her the best. Um, I hope her identity doesn't get leaked. I'm not going to do it. I think she's a good person, but she has this darkness inside of her. And he, he talks about how he could see her slowly shifting, that darkness taking her over. He has this interesting quote, which should, it should be uplifting for everyone in Ireland. Quote, you could meet her at work and you wouldn't know. You might just think she's a bit quiet or something. This totally unassuming young woman living and working and walking among you in Ireland, not us, not the rest of the world. Sorry, guys. Totally normal looking, but has this darkness inside of her to the point that she's actually damaging her own body. Or you go, Jason, maybe this was this was not true justice. He absolutely committed domestic violence against her. That's obviously possible. That's obviously possible. But I thought it was an interesting footnote to wrap this story up. After the trial, so he's the case has been dismissed, they've separated. He wishes her the best, says, I hope she's able to retain her privacy. I hope she's just able to get the help that she needs. I'm not the one to provide it. I'm out. As he's trying to put his life back together, he starts to get text messages on his phone. Doop-doop-doop. Looks at it. It's a text from Rebecca. Doop-doop-doop. Another text from Rebecca. 
For a few days, his phone keeps getting texts from Rebecca's number. They're all written in Latin. Eventually, he just blocks her number and tries to move on with his life. So that's the tale of Shane Gibbons, a man who narrowly avoided going to prison for domestic violence. It's a terrifying tale of that intersection between paranormal and true crime. It makes you wonder how many other crimes are perpetrated by people who are demonically possessed. Or how many people are innocently put into jail because of demonic factors. I was watching videos the other day. It was one of those internet rabbit holes I went down. It was videos of women bashing their heads into walls and then calling cops for domestic violence. Now, that's an outlier. Most domestic violence horrifically is real. Most domestic violence actually is partner on partner violence. But when you watch a video of a young woman smashing her head into the wall, and luckily someone else was videotaping it. They had someone on a balcony looking down, and this girl was yelling at her boyfriend for cheating. She cheated on her boyfriend. He wouldn't get back together with her. She walked over, and she started pounding her head into a pillar, and then was going to call the cops, and then she realized she was on video. If there was no video there, obviously it would be his word against hers. It would be an awful mess. And you would think, as a normal human, what lunatic would smash their own head into a pillar? So when you look at video like that, you have to wonder, like, Is she mentally disturbed, or is she demonically possessed? Someone willing to do that much damage to their body for something so petty. It's bizarre, it's bizarre. It's inhuman behavior to injure yourself like that. It's funny, though, because really Shane got off easy. This story could have ended much, much darker. Not with a young woman punching herself in the thighs, but while Shane was sleeping one night, She lies awake, but she's not awake. The thing inside of her is awake, looking through her eyes. She finds herself walking through the house, opening a kitchen drawer, pulling out a knife, stabbing Shane to death. That's what we would expect for a demonically possessed person to do. But I don't think the demon wanted to kill. I think the demon was feeding off of Shane Gibbons' psychological torment. He loved this woman. I wouldn't fly a girl to another country to get her help. You you go. I'll break up with you. I'm not going to do that. He obviously loved this woman. And that love is what kept him there, even though everyone else was warning him to leave. And whatever was inside of her was feeding off of that torment. So it didn't want to kill him. It could have easily killed him. It could have easily killed her. It wanted to save her that delicacy of Shane's love and fear. All the way up to the point where it was even able to get a taste of him during the trial, feeding off of his uncertainty. So she's still out there. And and like Shane, I do wish her the best, but she is still out there. And if she doesn't get treated, that darkness inside of her is still out there as well. Looking for another victim? Looking for someone else to feed off of? I hope that she's able to get this darkness out of her and move on with her life. But if she doesn't, she is a ticking time bomb. That darkness needs to feed again. It will find somebody else to fall in love and then slowly torment them. Although this time it may be a little more careful, a little more practiced, a little more 
sinister. It now knows that a trail of evidence can quickly destroy its final greatest meal, watching an innocent man be thrown into prison. Next time, the demon will know exactly what and what not to do to ensure success. And if the demon doesn't get it right the next time, he can try again and again and again. And when this darkness is done with Rebecca, it'll move on to the next young woman and the next one and the next one and the next one. It has all the time in the world to perfect this scheme. And along the way, it will feed off the energy of young men thrown in prison, their lives ruined, their souls destroyed. The demon knows the truth. There is no shortage of young women who are missing something in their lives. They are lonely, and they are sad, and they can invite a dark presence into their life without even being aware of that. And there is no shortage of men out there who will do anything, even ignore every possible red flag in the book, to be next to a woman. The demon doesn't have to use a ton of tricks to ruin people's lives. He just uses human nature to create paranormal chaos. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.